Chapter Three of Our Little Korean Cousin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Our Little Korean Cousin by H. Lee M. Pike. Chapter Three A Glimpse of the King. Young Pak's earliest days were spent very much as those of most babies, whether they live in Korea or America. Eating and sleeping were his chief occupations. When he grew old enough to run about, his father employed for him a servant, Kim Young, whose business it was to see that no harm came to the child. For several years the two were constantly together, even sleeping in the same room at night. Once, when young Pak and his attendants were out for their daily walk, their attention was attracted by the sound of music in the distance. "'What is that music?' asked young Pak. "'That is the king's band. It must be that there is going to be a procession,' was Kim Yong's reply. "'Oh, I know what it is,' said young Pak. "'The king is going to the new temple of ancestors.' my father said the tablets on which the king's forefathers names are engraved are to be put in place to-day let us hurry so as to get into a place where we can have a good view of the procession yes we will for father told me that this is to be an extra fine one and he is to be in it himself i want to see him when he goes by by this time young pak and kim young were running as fast as their flowing garments and their dignity would allow them, and everybody else, from the dirtiest street boy to the gravest old man, was hurrying toward the palace gate through which the procession was to come. Young Pak and Kim Yong were fortunate enough to get a position where they could see the palace gate, and the procession would have to pass by them on its way to the temple. Meanwhile, the band inside the palace walls kept up its music, and the people outside could also hear the shouts of officers giving their orders to guards and soldiers. Soon there was an extra flourish of the music, and the gate, toward which all eyes had been strained, was suddenly flung wide open with a great clang. Hundreds of soldiers already lined the streets to keep the crowd back out of the way of the procession. First through the gate came a company of Korean foot soldiers in blue uniforms. Directly after them came a lot of palace attendants in curious hats and long robes of all colors of the rainbow. Some were dressed in blue, some in red, some in orange, some in yellow, and some in a mixture of colors. All carried staves bound with streamers of ribbons. Following the attendants came a line of bannermen with red flags on which were various inscriptions in blue. Then came drummers and pipe-players, dressed in yellow costumes, their instruments decked with ribbons. Young Pak next saw more soldiers, dressed in the queerest of ancient costumes. Afterward came men with cymbals and bells, cavalrymen on foot, and more palace attendants. Through the whole line were seen many officials, gaudily adorned with plumes, gold lace, gilt fringe, swords, and colored decorations of all sorts. Many of the officials had on high-crowned hats decorated with bunches of feathers and crimson tassels. 
These were fastened by a string of amber beads around the throat. Blue and orange and red were the colors of their robes. Then followed more bannermen, drummers, and servants carrying food, fire, and pipes. All the time there was a tremendous beating of drums and blowing of horns and ringing of bells. The noise was so great that Kim Young hardly heard young Pak when he shouted, Oh, I see Papa! Where is he? Don't you see him right behind that little man in yellow who is carrying a big blue flag? Oh, yes, said Kim Young. He has on a long green robe, and on his turban are long orange plumes. Yes, and on both sides of him, in green gauze coats, are his servants. I wonder if he will notice us as he goes by. Indeed he will not. At least if he does see us, he will give no sign, for this is too solemn and important an occasion for him to relax his dignity. On state occasions, Gipak could look as sedate and dignified as the most serious official in all Korea, and that is saying a good deal, for in no country do the officials appear more solemn than in this land of the morning radiance. Now along came more soldiers, followed by the great nobles of the kingdom, and finally, amid a most terrific beating of drums, a fearful jangling of bells, and a horrid screaming of pipes, the guard of the king himself appeared. Suddenly, all was silent. Drum beating, pipe blowing, and shouting all died away. The sound of hurried footsteps alone was heard. All at once into sight came the imperial chair of state. In this chair was the king, but not yet could young Pak get a glimpse of his royal master. Yellow silken panels hid him from the view of the curious crowd, and over the top was a canopy of the same description, ornamented with heavy, rich tassels. This gorgeous chair was much heavier than those used by officials and ordinary citizens, and it took thirty-two men to carry it quickly and safely past the throng to the entrance of the temple. Only a few minutes were necessary for this journey, for the temple was but a short distance from the palace gate, and both were in plain sight of Young Pak and Kim Yong. It was only a fleeting glimpse of the king that they got as he passed from his chair to the temple gate. But this was enough to repay Young Pak for the rushing and the crowding and the waiting that he had been obliged to endure. Rare indeed were these glimpses of his majesty, and they afforded interest and excitement enough to last a long while. But the procession was not over yet. A chair covered with red silk, borne on the shoulders of sixteen chairmen, passed up to the temple. "'Who is in that chair?' asked young Pak of his companion. The crown prince, was Kim Young's reply. He attends his royal father in all these ceremonies of state. Young Pak drew a long breath, but said nothing. He only thought what a fine thing it must be to be a king's son, and wear such gorgeous clothes and have so many servants at his call. And then he had a second thought. He would not want to exchange his splendid father for all the glory and magnificence of the king's court. After the king and the crown prince, with their attendant officials and servants and priests, had gone into the temple, 
Young Pak and Kim Yong did not stay longer at their post. The order of the procession had broken, and the king and his immediate retinue would return privately to the palace after he should pay homage and offer sacrifices to the spirits of his ancestors. End of chapter 3